My Love of Life Energy is a podcast created by Anna Scott. Anna knows that every human being sees life uniquely. In this podcast, she will talk to people and learn from them. These conversations are to shine the brilliance of each human being she speaks to. Join her. After each exploration, you will expand on your insights and see truth and beauty. Good morning and good afternoon, and welcome to my podcast, My Love of Life Energy. And today I have the great honor of having Tina Kupko with us today. Tina is a marriage and family therapist. She is a certified grief recovery specialist, and that is what I love about Tina. She understands grief and loves to play in that field. So with that, Tina, it is an honor to have you here. Thank you. I am so excited, Anna. I've known about you for years now. And I honestly a little bit intimidated. You have such a wonderful reputation as this like powerhouse coach in the East Bay. Um, And so I feel very honored to be on your show today. Well, I'm thrilled because I, there's a beauty in a way that you understand grief that I've never heard. In fact, I'll get, I'll get emotional talking about it. There's a way that you have a reverence for grief that I've never seen anybody have. And I'm wondering what, where did that come from and what's your understanding of it? I mean, as, as most um, people who've done any personal development work or most therapists, most coaches, I would say, there's a big story behind it. The short version, you know, it's my whole life. It's my whole life that shaped <laughs> and, and some, some really painful parts of my life. But um I would say the the things that formed this intense desire to acknowledge and tell the truth and make room for feelings about Mm -hmm. endings and goodbyes and loss started the day I was born. I was, I was given up for adoption. And so, you know, I'm the person who I love music in minor keys it just resonates with my internal vibration like who i be in the world and like how i feel things and what um what activates all of my sensory you know like um systems in my body and in my brain and in my heart is sadness it's always been about the sadness because it was such a it's such a common experience for me in my life. Gosh, it's there's so funny. A- but when when you said that, I could actually feel that you see there's a beauty to it. It's like a, a bittersweet isn't the right word, but it's a poignant maybe. It's like both painful and and stimulating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not necessarily always a pleasant experience, but it's it definitely reminds me I'm alive. It definitely reminds me that I have the capacity to feel deeply, and that shows up in my relationships. You know, um, it makes me able to sit with all of my clients' pain and trauma and not have to dissociate, mm-hmm. check out, or change the topic. I can stay right there. And you know, that's, that's a, that's a hard thing to do. That's a rare gift. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, people kind of disparage the wounded healer idea, you know, that, that therapists are just trying to work out their own stuff. You know, they're just trying to heal their own wounds, but it's, it's a shared experience. We're all wounded in some way. Just being born and coming into this world is a shock to the system. Um, and so we all share that experience. And the more that we can um, be in conversation about it and feel it together and process what it means for us, I think the, the more able we are to get on with our lives and do the things that we're here to do. There, there's um, a normalization that you're having about grief and sorrow and pain is what I'm sensing. Absolutely. I mean, who, especially right now when it's become so, such a shared experience, who, who is not grieving right now? Something in their life has changed through the pandemic. Mm. Just about everyone. And that's just talking about the pandemic and not all the war that's happening and you know all the other stuff that's happening in the world right now. So yeah, we're, we're in a shared experience of, of loss, endings, grief right now. And let's talk about it. Let's just tell the truth. What have you seen the gift of, of telling the truth or being in the shared? Because I know you do groups, you do yeah. um, group, you have one coming up, I believe, in the end of January. What's the yes. date? I want to make January twenty second. We meet on Monday nights in Moraga, California, um, which is just south of Lafayette, where we we convene every week. Um, the The opportunity when we open up the space to talk about it and feel our feelings and be witnessed in our feelings is that it transforms. It transmutes into something else. It transforms into um, healing into a release, into forgiveness, into humility. And it, it, it reminds us that part of our experience here is that we're in relationship with a lot of people and we're going to, people are going to come into our lives. People are going to leave our lives. And, and we, if we know how to do endings in a healthy way, we don't ever have to ghost again. We don't ever have to blow up a relationship. <laughs> we don't ever have to be enemies with our partner who, who we're divorced from or, and co-parenting with. That just doesn't need to be the case at all. We don't need to waste our energy on creating that kind of conflict and static in our lives. It's just not necessary. It seems to me that you're offering people um, a pathway of grace with people. I mean, I call it humanity. It's our shared humanity. And we can either be human with grace or we can be human with fear and jealousy and scarcity and, and hatred of other people. Or we can, we can be honest about our humanity and we can listen to others' humanity and respect it and believe that they're having a human experience and not disparage or diminish their experience. There's room for all of us to have our experience and have it be validated so that we can do the, the wonderful things that humans can do when they pull together. God, listening to you, I mean, I have my hand in my heart. I feel um, such hope 
for humanity. Yes. That's why, to me, this isn't just, I'm not just a grief support group runner, group facilitator. I am trying to heal humanity, one little group at a time. I'm trying to help pe people practice the skills that it takes to be human with each other, mm -hmm. to forgive each other, to let go of old resentments, to find a, a new path forward. And isn't that what the world needs? At a larger level, it the micro matches the macro. Oh, Tina. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like, thank you. <laughs> uh, I just love how you let yourself be affected. You know, I just, that it's so yummy to me when I say something and it really resonates for you and I watch your face. I can see that you're feeling it inside of you and whatever meaning it makes for you. Um, and and I, I, I think your audience probably loves that about you too. Um, so thank you. You know, I, I, I think we, we I got to be careful because I, I, I'm getting embarrassed now because I feel so <laughs> seen by you. <laughs> what do you need to be careful of? Well, because I, I, I'm, I'm starting to get um, stuttering. <laughs> oh, <laughs> get <sorry>. embarrassed. <laughs> sorry. Um, but no, what's, what I want to, you said, you just said something and I'd like you to um, shine a light on it because in, you can use me as an example. You watched me feel it. And then you said, and then make up whatever story I had or ex the experience I was having about it. Can you talk more about that? Because that was profound what you just said. Hmm. Well, I'll, 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 I'll try and answer from the place that I'm hearing your question, but if there's, a, you know, if there's a different element that you were trying to get to in your question, just let me know. But I think um, one of my superpowers is deep, deep empathy. And so what that means to me is not getting lost in your emotional reaction or response or resonance with what we're talking about, not getting lost in it and not not opening up the doors to my shared experience so much that I get embarrassed and start stuttering or, you know, have to like stop and blow my nose, but to like let that resonance happen. And then um, just kind of like put the doors, close the doors a little bit on it and let it inform my mind about how does that help me understand Anna or the person in front of me better in terms of their motivations how they're doing their relationships, how they're doing life, how they're doing their job, how they're doing parenting, how they're, you know, how they're doing finances, how, how they're doing anything in their life is informed by how they're feeling. Mm -hmm. And so when I um, use my empathy muscle to watch you have an experience, what I translate it then into is like, ooh, that really resonated, that sentence that I just said really resonated with Anna, that helps me understand her better. I know it's important to her, what motivates her, what her values are, and how she connects to people. You know, we did this training, the um, room full of referrals training, and I am not a great match. I'm a nurturer's examiner. I'm not a great match, usually, with um, go-getters. We... we end up having a lot of static because I'm super interested in relationship. They're super interested in like being productive and making forward progress. And sometimes we can be at odds, but I find that with you, Anna, 
um, your ability to also tap into and feel your empathy muscle is what is the space where we can connect. And that's why I enjoy it so much. Well, what's so interesting is I think, Tina, what you're showing people, this is my assessment. I believe that we're all truly empathetic as human beings, but the intellect has covered it up. And you're shining a light and introducing and creating a space for people to start to feel and make it safe. I mean, that's a complex thing. You know, like I, I have people come in all the time to my office for therapy and I've, I've seen just how painful for some folks opening that door, even just a crack can be for them, especially if there's, you know, severe trauma or neglect or um, an experience of war or violence, or, you know, if they've lived in a violent world, a neighborhood or a family or a home for a long period of time, just opening the door to feeling a little bit of that can be overwhelming. And so because of that, I went and did a three-year training in somatic experiencing, which is a trauma-informed body-based type of therapy, so that I could be more skilled at knowing what to do for folks who opening up the doors to the past and memory is just way too overwhelming and painful that they actually go into a PTSD response. So now I have that tool to know there's a different way for folks who have, you know, that's just too painful. It's, there's too much trauma back there that there's a different way we can work together and make progress. Um, so I know I just did a lot of talking. I want to hear what your thoughts are. Well, what I'm hearing though is that um, I keep, I'm going to go back to what I said is that you're normalizing and have a superpower and can lead people to the way back to feel. That's my intention. Is that it? That's my it. Absolutely. I mean, that's like the simplest way of putting it, you know, lead them back to feeling. Mm -hmm. And for that's going to be a different pathway for every different person. Right. And what I, what I hear in the beauty of you is that you, um, you have a pace with people and on their journey of going at the pace that they can go and in the route that they can go. Exactly. Yes. I mean, I don't, I don't even need to make it more complicated, but that is like, yeah, that's, that's what I want people to know and that it's possible when you have a skilled therapist that you're working with someone who's gone and done extra training in working with trauma, um, and I'm happy to be available, you know, when people are looking for therapists, I can help them um, translate the psychology today profile that they're seeing. Like, what are all these words mean? I don't, I don't know what this tells me about this person. I love helping people find the right therapist for them. So that's another kind of way I can be in service to the community. Um, and, and to know that, like, if you don't feel it with your therapist, if if it doesn't feel safe after say three, four, five, six months, it's not, there's something not working and you have a right to say this isn't working and to look for something else or to, or to try and transform that relationship, you know, by saying what you need. Um, that's a little bit harder and doesn't always work. Mm. I love, I love, um, 
the gift of feeling is that we have to feel it all. Like when I feel, you know, if I feel the sorrow, but I'm also going to feel the love and joy. Yeah. And we can, we can practice growing our bandwidth to feel it all. We don't have to start at, at 10 and feel it all right away. We can yeah. work up our, our way, work our way up to 10. You know, we can start yeah. at a half. <laughs> Let me we, just... we can start at a quarter. <laughs> we can start at a quarter. We can start at even smaller um, yeah. millimeter. Um, and, and that's my job is to figure out where, how much can people tolerate, how much do they have the bandwidth and the resources to tolerate. And then that's where we're going to work for a while until I see that, okay, you've got more bandwidth. Now you can handle more feeling. Let's open up another little door. Mm. Oh, wow. I just had this image of doors. Like the doors start small, but then they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then yeah. the people's lives get bigger and bigger and bigger because yes. of their capacity. Exactly. You've probably seen that there's a image, a little cartoon meme, whatever, going around about grief, where what we think grief, ha what happens with grief to heal from it is that the grief ball in the jar gets smaller and fills up less of the jar, which is supposed to be us. Um, but in actuality, what happens is the grief ball stays the same size and the jar becomes bigger. Oh, wow. I had never seen that. I yes. love that. I see it all the time because I I follow all these, you know, grief specialists and grief counselors. And, um, and it's such a great way to display what I believe to be true is that we, we can't make grief go away. We can't eliminate it. It's not that we're trying to make it like get over it and check a box or say that, okay, that I'm done grieving now. We may never be done grieving, but we become more, we in, integrate it into our life and our being and our understanding of what's in the past, what's in the future, how to have hope, um, how to open up our hearts for new experiences, new relationships, new hopes, dreams, and expectations, that we become more capable of processing that grief and loss when it happens. Mm. But it's like it, um, what it feels like is, I mean, cause grief is, I think what you've, what you've taught me is grief is a daily experience. I mean, there's so many, you know, I, I, I'm going to lose a job. I'm going to lose a partner. I'm going to lose the day. You know, I will not have today. Yeah. I think in this realm, um, something that we don't talk as much about, you know, there's a, still a lot of people who, when I say I'm a grief counselor, they say things like, oh, I haven't really experienced a lot of death in my life. And so I start asking them questions because generally I know that's not true. They might not have had a lot of people in their life die, but they might've had pets die. They might've had, they've certainly had graduations and marriages and babies and new jobs and ending jobs and, you know, moving houses, all of those endings um, create grief. And when we don't acknowledge that those things create grief, it just starts piling up. Hmm. And then when something like someone does die or we're anticipating someone dying, the unresolved stuff from all those old other losses starts coming to the surface and it feels really overwhelming. 
And so we push it back down mm. and try not to let it take over. I'm offering mm. that there's a way to go back in an intentional way with support, with a framework called the grief recovery method to look at our lives and look at all the other things that may have happened in our life that cause grief and make room to process those. Some will need a little bit of processing. Some will need a little bit more. Some will need a lot of processing, um, but that we, we can go back and identify all the things that have caused grief in our lives. And so what you just talked about was kind of, we're going to have these things happen in our life. And some people call that anticipatory grief. I choose to call it grief now. I'm grieving now the hope for the future that I want. I'm having to let go of the future that I want. And that's already, I've already lost that, that hope because I'm seeing that it's not going to happen. So I'm in grief right now. It's not future grief. It's grief right now. There, there's something here, Tina, that's so powerful that I want to, um, I, I can I can sense it, but I don't have the words for it yet to what you're speaking about. Because you said it and I couldn't hear it, mm. but I heard it about the grief of the future. Yeah. But I'm grieving now. There's something that has been lost already, which is the hope for that future. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you an example. Um, ever since I was like 13 and I started babysitting, I knew I wanted to be a mom. I knew it. I just knew it. That was 42 years ago. I never got the chance to be a mom. And as my 40s were, as I was plowing toward my 40s and then toward 50, and I didn't have a partner and I didn't have the means to be a single parent. Um, I was putting myself through grad school at that time to become a therapist. I was very conscious that this dream of mine wasn't going to happen. And it terrified me, the thought of saying goodbye to that dream, uh, the, of like mentally saying, okay, that's not going to happen. I need to let it go. Sure, easy, easier said than done, because without that dream, I wasn't sure what my purpose in life would be. Oh my gosh, I just see the depth of it. Yes. And so I avoided, avoided, avoided it for years. I'm like, I know I'm going to have to grieve this at some point, but I'm not ready. I'm not ready to let go. And I'm not ready to be in the full-on sadness of having let go of that dream. Because I still want to be a parent. I would have dreams in my late forties of being pregnant. I still really, really wanted that dream to happen. And by the time I was probably, I think 49, 50, I was like, okay, I'm ready. And I sat down and I used the grief recovery method. And I asked one of my buddies who also is a certified grief recovery specialist to be my buddy in this process. And I started with the relationship of me to the dream. And so mm -hmm. some of the memories I just shared with you are some of the things that went on this timeline of memories 
and people that had to do with this dream. You know, old boyfriends, my parents, um, babysitting clients who trusted me with their babies. They all had something that I needed to say to them, like a thank you or an I apologize or I forgive you or this made such a difference in my life. This kept my dream alive and it made me believe I could be a mother. Thank you for that. Like all these emotional communications that I was holding on to that had never been delivered. There was also a whole set of people who I had been friends with who got married and had kids who I ghosted because it was so incredibly painful for me to watch them having the dream without me. And, and I would just think, what's wrong with me? Why don't I get that? How come they're so lucky? Like, am I just gonna keep being with deprived of this beautiful experience? Is that really what my life is gonna be about? A constant reminder that I don't get to have this? So there's, there was just a lot. But using the grief recovery method, I was able to work my way through all of that. It took a while and there was a lot of rooting around and looking for different communications that I might've had for people. And then when I finally read my completion letter, I actually felt this huge, like it, it was almost like a ghost leaving my body and a lot of tears, but a lot of relief. And then after that, I was, I had so much energy for my business, for being kind of a mothering person in my business. In, in my oh my God. And oh, I could, wow. You... Like, yeah, I could celebrate wow. other people's babies again. I could be kind of like a grandma in a way, which is a different dream <laughs> that I thought would also never happen because I didn't have kids. So yeah, it just made room for all of that. I just felt, um, I felt the energy like you're, I, I, oh, I'm sorry. I'm having such a powerful reaction to this Yeah, is I could feel the desire is still alive in you, but how it got the attachment of to the form of what it looked like got freed That's and right. all the grief That's right. and the power of that, Tina. And Anna, that is also a shared human experience that all of us, any of us can access if we choose to put our attention and our resources into healing. Oh my God, but I, I just get the power, you know, like I get the power of it because we, what you just showed me is that the essence of the energy of wanting to be a mother is still there, that feeling, but it's being put into something different. Correct, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, and that's another part of being human. Sometimes we need to let go of our ego and what our ego wants for us and let universe, I call, some people call it God, I call it universe, um, let universe use us in the way that we're most gonna be impactful and effective. And it and, may oh not be what, what we wanted for ourselves. Right, but that energy, it's there because I can feel it so alive in you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my God. Tina, we um, are at the end of our time and I'm gobsmacked by this conversation. <laughs> I so appreciate being able to be a 
you know, uh, effective this, this way, because this is what I love to help people realize in themselves that they are also like heart centered. They're a, they're a heart and they're a sensory being and they have the right to access that and to, to be able to find joy again. Yeah. You're good at it. You're real good. You're damn good. (laughs) So Tina, where, this is all going to be on the link, but where can people find you? Great. So, uh, so my website is authenticitina. It's kind of like authenticity, but with a Tina at the end, instead of T Y it's T I N A. Um, they can also find me on all the social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, Google business, LinkedIn, where I post a lot of helpful information for folks in little bite-sized pieces about grief. Um, And I also have a YouTube channel that I'm starting to build and I'm about to release a really wonderful interview with my colleague, Sherry Scott, who is another uh, therapist at Heart and Balance Counseling Center. And we have a conversation about um, what she heard when she had a significant loss in her life that just pissed her off so much she wrote all the things down and she vowed to tell people, don't say these things to people in grief. <laughs> so we have a <laughs> lovely conversation about that. And I'm excited to release that sometime soon. Great. Well, it's been an honor, Tina. It's just been a delight. Thank you. Oh, I so appreciate you, Anna. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you.